This is the Immigration Conversation presented by Fragman, a series of talks and discussions by leading immigration lawyers and professionals from around the world. We'll bring you the most up-to-date business immigration news, issues of concern, and strategies in the world of global immigration and mobility. Hello and welcome to the second in our podcast series on Irish immigration brought to you by Fragman in Dublin. Um, in our discussion last month, we were talking about the impact of COVID on the Irish immigration process. And today we'd like to look forward as we turn our thoughts to a sort of post-COVID crisis world. We'd like to talk to you a little bit about the Irish immigration policy and process and what it might look like uh, after the crisis. Uh, I'm Bill Foster. I'm the Managing Director of Fragman in Ireland. And with me today is Angel Abello-Cortez, Practice Leader for Fragman uh, Ireland. Hi, Bill. Hello. Hi. Uh, Claire Kaminsky, uh, manager with Fragman in Hi, Ireland. Bill. Hi. And Deirdre Murray, uh, also a manager with Fragman in Ireland. Hi, Bill. How are things? Thanks, all. Um, perhaps I'll start with you, Angel. Before we sort of take a look at the future that I've just been talking about, it would be great if we could do a quick re- review of the developments that have happened over the last few weeks since we had our last uh, podcast. Um, maybe you could bring us up to date with some of the things that have happened. Thank you, Bill. So, yes, yeah, as I recap, uh, it certainly it's been a, this, this last few months have been intense, to say the least. But, I mean, I think it's fair to say that both government departments reacted, reacted quite swiftly to, to the crisis. And we saw, I suppose, a, a significant amount of uh, fairly useful contingency measures um, whereby, for example, we were applications that were traditionally paper-based, where you know we were allowed to file them electronically by email. We also saw these departments um, delivering decisions uh, by email as well, and no longer issuing original employment permits, for example. So that uh, that that allowed us and other providers, I suppose, to. <clears throat> To have virtually a, a paperless process and and to be able to to service our, our clients efficiently and immigration officers at the port of entry for example would also allow uh, employment permit holders to enter with a with a scanned copy of the permit as well uh, we also saw obviously uh, visa application centers and embassies shut down uh, and we're not processing entry visas but progressively we saw those those visa application centers and embassies and consulates reopening although it's fair to say that some of them then subsequently closed to open again uh, de- depending i suppose of the of the conditions on the on the country in question um we also saw the launch of a, an online renewal system for Dublin residents uh, in respect of their IRP cards or Irish residency permit cards. Uh, It's a new system, obviously uh, some work needs to be done. There are a few issues with it, but overall, I think it's certainly a a very welcome development uh, because that has freed up, I guess, the, you know, a number of appointments and and I guess the lack of appointments was a a perennial problem of the, of uh, for Dublin residents. Now, unfortunately, we don't we don't yet have a solution for those who who reside outside Dublin and uh, who are reliant on their local immigration office to be open, and uh, that has been that has been challenging. 
because again, offices have been opening and closing and there hasn't been, I guess, a central uh, system to deal with renewals uh, outside Dublin. But uh, Claire and Dee, I think you'll be, you'll be uh, expanding on that later on. We saw, very importantly, we saw a blanket extensions of immigration permissions on three occasions since March. The most recent one was on the 18th of August. Uh, and that extension was, I guess, to an extent, uh, a result of a temporary closure of registration offices uh, in Dublin and outside Dublin. Although the offices have since reopened uh, on the 24th of August. Although again, not all uh, offices outside Dublin may have may have reopened, uh, but overall, certainly the the blanket extensions were helpful. Uh, that said, perhaps you know, perhaps the thing to do would be to to have a more definite long term plan. Given that we don't seem to be able to, you know, it, it might take some time to come out of this, and perhaps a more permanent solution is needed in terms of policy and, you know, what's the criteria, uh, you know, to, to preserve your right to work status pending renewal. And again, while the, while the blanket extensions have been welcome, it's a piecemeal approach that is, is not ideal uh, for many users of the system. Uh, so I'll, I'll stop there. I hope that's uh, more or less a good summary of what has happened in the last few months. Thank you, Angel. It's a, that is a good summary, and 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 it nicely leads into the sort of the, the 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 next stage, which is to the point you're making about what is what is the permanence for the future. What, how, what are we looking at as as we come out of this crisis? Um, and I think in that respect, there's been a great deal of talk um, in the press, in the industry, with uh, with employers and with our clients around the concepts of remote remote working, agile working. We're not just talking about here in Ireland, but but uh, but globally as a phenomenon. Um, and you know, flexible working could include you know multiple locations, different locations, changes in hours, etc. And maybe if I could um, ask you, Claire, um, what would the challenges be or what challenges might that pose to employers as we look to the future um, as they start looking at concepts of remote working, agile working, etc.? Thanks, Bill. Um, I think it's really interesting because the overall employment permit system itself is actually a huge challenge to remote and agile you know, working environments. Um, the system wasn't set up initially you know, to accommodate the new working environment and it's really important to remember that employment permits are really prescriptive. You know, every employment permit is issued for a specific employer at a specific work location for a specific job title and salary. That's laid out in legislation. So, I mean, our legislation does not allow that flexibility. Um, to deal with agile and, you know, remote working environments. So we would, you know, welcome the government taking a look at that and thinking about, you know, issuing guidance um, well into the future. However, you know, saying that about the, you know, how the system may be viewed as old-fashioned. I think it's also really important to recognise that the authorities in March, they came out and they showed a lot of flexibility in their response to COVID-19. 
by, you know, saying that they would accept blanket remote working notifications for employment permit holders because they did recognise, you know, that everything was turned on its head and people were not able to be compliant, you know, with that work address stated on their permit. So really the system itself, it's a huge challenge, but what has happened since March does leave a lot of room for optimism that it can be addressed. Another current challenge I think um, is going to arise in relation to stamp four holders who are on Irish employment contracts, but they're stuck abroad, unable to return to Ireland through no fault of their own, and as a result are not going to be able to renew their stamp four permissions prior to expiry. Like we would strongly encourage employers to have a think about this population. Have they identified this category of employee? And are they in touch with them, you know, to try and mitigate against any potential compliance issues if people are not able to return to Ireland before that stamp for expires. So I suppose they're the two key challenges that, you know, I would identify at the moment, Bill. Thank you, Claire. Um, and I think just building upon that and, and following on from a lot of what you said, um, I think it's probably incumbent upon us now to start looking at what might be the solutions and options for, for, for that, those type of issues. And, and, I, and I turn to you, Dee, uh, in that respect and perhaps throw at you a, a, an example of, you know, some of these weird and wonderful working arrangements that we could yeah. potentially see in the future of people sort of living in one location, working in another, you know, working, working remotely or working with different hours, etc. So the type of problems that uh, Claire has thrown up, what, what's sort of solutions and options would you, you see to sort of deal with that and perhaps uh, address some of that? Yeah, thank, thanks, Bill. I mean, I think what we really need is is clarity around the policy. Um, the concept of working from home at the beginning of COVID really was addressing, you know, how, how employers would manage in the weeks and, you know, maybe even months ahead. But now employers are looking really a lot further down the line. You know, we're looking up until... What will happen if we want to keep our employers working from home until next summer and we have got some clarity already and i think it's important to say that there has been some solutions that that have come um, come around already one of those being if i'm an employer here in ireland and i don't want any of my staff coming into the office and i'm happy for them to live remotely around the republic of ireland can they do that on employment permits and the answer to that is yes they can and there's no point now that we know that that's going to end. There's no reason to think that it will uh, into the future. So long as we make it clear when we're apply, applying for an employment permit for an employer that their, their employees are going to be based somewhere else in the country, that's fine. They can do that and they can work from home. They could go into the office one day a week if we want to say that. If it's the intention they're not going to be going to the office at all, that's fine too. Um, and, you know, I think that's, you know, a, a really positive that's come from... Um, from clarification from the government in the last couple of months where things aren't so clear Bill and I know that's probably what you're getting at too and you know where employers heads are going now is what, what's going to happen if I have uh, employees who want to go back home and live with their family in in Nottingham and, and continue working for for the office in Dublin and for the business here and being paid in Ireland and that's something that's not clear at the moment and something that they would, you know it would be hugely beneficial to have guidance from the government on um, so that's one thing, I suppose, one big thing to, to take away from it. We have some clarity around our employees working in Ireland. What we don't have is clarity around when those employees want to leave and work elsewhere. 
Um, so that's one big point. You know, another thing I think that is worth mentioning on this call as well is around what happens to those employees who employers already have working in Ireland. You know, they're on employment permits. They have immigration permission to be here. And immigration offices are slowly reopening and there's different systems all around the country. And I think one possible solution, um, and I know we've spoken about this before, is the idea of a, centrally, um, a central renewal system for employment permit permission and for immigration permission, um, specifically around, you know, renewing your stamp one, in, you know, if it's up for expiry or whatever stamp you have in your passport. Um, at the moment, if I live in Dublin, I can apply by post to renew my permission. But if I live three stops down the dart line, I might not be able to do that by post and I'm going to have to go into a guard station to do that. If we have one centrally managed renewal system, um, all managed by the INIS, um, I think there would be much greater consistency and clarity for employers and then, and then for the employee themselves as well and really improve the experience that, you know, that foreign nationals should have here in, in Ireland because of that. I mean, as well as giving consistency to everybody, it also reduces the need for you know individuals to travel and queue at guard stations and i suppose the aim of the game at the moment is to you know to, to, to try and you know eliminate as much unnecessary travel and and um you know and queues and groups of people as possible and so looking forward i'd really like to see um the nas extend from dublin and you know out into our local guard stations and and see things go from there um, one last thing on that, and I'll finish up on this point, Bill, is um, blanket extensions for permission. And Gail and Claire both touched on this. We're now, I actually think we're into our fourth extension of, of immigration permissions for people. Say I have an, uh, um, an immigration permission stamp for that expires on the 20th of September. I know now and I can tell my employer that I'm fine to keep working for another month up until the 20th of October because the government has said so. If, I, if my permission expires one day later on the 21st of September, I don't know when my permission is going to be extended. I don't know if I'm going to get anything back in time from the authorities. And there's really not much consistency, around, you know, not much clarity around that. Yes, the government have been good, but this is an ongoing problem and we need to... Yeah, you know, we, we need to kind of show longer lasting solutions to, to help, you know, individuals and to help employers as well know, you know, where the gaps are and, and how they can help them, the employees and make sure they remain compliant as well. Thank you, Dee. That's great, because I think you sort of um, broadened the conversation out now into sort of something that I wanted to move on to, which was not just, you know, how do we deal with the concept of agile and remote working, which is going to be exercised in the mind of a lot of employers. But um, there's a lot of um, other changes that I think that we need to start now looking at, some of which you've touched upon just then. Uh, if I may, Angel, if I could just turn to you, um, sort of picking up on some of the comments that, um, that Dee made about sort of I NIS, for example, um, what are your thoughts on um, short-term and immediate changes that you foresee in the immigration process as a consequence of COVID? Just some thoughts there. Yeah, um, I guess I suppose I want to believe that lessons have been learned, and again, I think both departments are to be commended for you know some of the measures that they adopted, uh, and in particular you know, the delivery of decisions electronically, you know, either employment permits or INIS permission letters, uh, permitting also, say, employment permit holders to arrive with a copy of the permit, uh, allowing applications that were traditionally paper-based, say, like, for example, EU treaty rights applications and whatnot, for those to be, to be mailed, uh, emailed uh, electronically. So I, I think it's fair to say 
there is no evidence that the system has been abused in any way. And I very much hope that, you know, uh, there is an acknowledgement that this has certainly increased efficiencies for, for all parties concerned. And I think it's quite remarkable, in fact, that in terms of response times from Innis, I mean, response times were actually much quicker once we all moved to, to emails. So I want to believe that maybe this is something we might see and that applications that were traditionally paper-based might might move uh, uh, to become electronic applications, I suppose. Um, and I mean, going back to the agile working, remote working, um, I think it's quite important that the, the Department of Business, uh, well, the Department of Enterprise now, has recently um, called for evidence uh, regarding remote working generally. Now, this is not specifically about employment permits at all. It's, it's I suppose, it's, it's, a, it's a general consultation on remote work. But I think the very fact that this department has sought evidence and submissions on this, it's, it's a good indication that it's being looked at. And I think it's fair to say it is likely that whatever, whatever measures are taken after that consultation might probably impact the employment permit system and hopefully also uh, general immigration legislation. But it's certainly good to know that the Department of Business is, is looking at it and, and seeking evidence from stakeholders. I think that's a very positive development. Thank you, Angel. And I think all of us would, would, would concur with the comments you made about the positive uh, developments as a consequence of the uh, last few months, which is great. Um, and I, I think in closing, if I may, I'll just uh, uh, turn back to you, Claire and Dee, um, to just sort of for a few closing remarks and thoughts on, on the trends. Um, as a consequence of what we've all been through over the last few months, do you foresee any long-term or lasting trends as a result of the, the sort of COVID crisis? Maybe, Claire, if I could ask your thoughts on that one. Yeah, Bill, I mean, that's an interesting one. I think, look, no, there's no doubt, really, there are going to be long-term and lasting changes as a result of COVID. I mean, I've worked in the area of Irish immigration since 2005, and it's been startling, you know, how quickly people's movements and government responses have changed, you know, as a result of the virus. I never really thought I would see you know, things being changed so quickly. Um, you know, that traditional notion of the workplace that's really being turned on its head for so many sectors. We're all using technology, you know, to do our jobs and deliver services and retain our, you know, relationships with colleagues. Um, and I think one area where we're really seeing a change is business travel. You know, people are have obviously thought, do I really need to, you know, take that business trip or can I deliver, you know, that project without travelling um, to a particular country for two to three days? And we have, really, we have seen the death of the traditional um, business travel and those type of non-hands-on short assignments. 
So that's really um, been interesting and more than likely is going to be a long-term and lasting change. Um, look, e-filings, I think that's the big change um, in the Irish system. I would love to see that, you know, staying because it has been, as Angel has said, been so much more efficient in terms of processing, but also, you know, for the customer, for that migrant who is, you know, filing that application, it's such a more positive experience for them. So those would be sort of those the two main um, long-lasting changes I would envisage. Yeah, Claire, I, uh, I'd have to agree with you on those two points as well. I mean, I suppose what you said about... Um, about business travel, the you know business travel as we know it is over. And um, Claire, the two of us have spent a long time advising you know individuals on how long you come to Ireland for on a business trip. Typically, that's fourteen days, um, and now we're seeing. Um, you know, and now we're seeing that you have to, you know, isolate for 14 days from a lot of countries before you before you come into the country. So it's just it's just not uh, well, after you come into the country. Sorry, I should clarify that um, 14 days from entry. But, you know, I, and I know you would agree that the business travel that we've seen before has completely ended. But, there, you know, Ireland has and, you know, does remain completely open for business. And I think that's something that we really need to emphasize here that employment permit applications are going ahead we can still bring people in people you know the government has been extremely responsive to um you know to, to the changes and i know sometimes it's you know it's a little bit last minute but it's a whole new world out there and and generally i think it's been um you know it's been great in its responses so far and you know how fast we've managed to come out of the you know you know the days of um the days of paper and um, and lengthy, lengthy processes and having to advise people that it's going to take months and months to be able to come into the country. That's just not the case anymore. And, you know, it, we really are, you know, open open for business. Um, I say in my strongest Irish accent probably, but um, I, I think that's a good point to end on, Bill. I don't know if you want to add anything there um, or clear on that, but it has been, you know, remarkable how, how everyone has come together and... And things are going. Dee, I think that's a really great point. Um, the processing in particular of employment permits. I mean, when we think about it, the department are now currently processing permits in two weeks when it's based on trusted partner status. We would ne we never really saw that, you know, pre-pandemic. So what Ireland has to offer, you know, for business um, is really remarkable, I think, going into the future. Thank you, Claire. That was really good. And thank you, Dee. I, I, I like the fact that we can end on a, a very positive and optimistic note. And I think we'll all agree that uh, we're very optimistic about the future, despite uh, what we've been all what we've all been through over the last few months. Um, so with that, I think it's a great opportunity to bring things to a close. But before we do that, um, maybe Angel, I'd ask you if you could uh, give us a brief teaser of our next podcast coming up next month. <laughs> yes. So next month, we're going to talk about citizenship. ID citizenship, and in particular, you know, ID citizenship by by birth, uh, by descent, and uh, by naturalization. So, you know, we'll talk about the regime uh, in terms of citizenship by birth uh, prior to the 2005 referendum and then the current position. We'll talk about naturalization and its criteria and recent developments in the area. And then we'll also talk about something that is certainly, you know, something where we've seen a lot of interest recently, which is uh, ancestry, citizenship by ancestry on the basis of, say, Irish uh, 
parents, grandparents, or great grandparents, uh, and these are applications for for registration uh, by way of foreign birth, foreign birth registrations, uh, and that will, I suppose, that that podcast podcast will coincide with the launch of our private client practice. So, we very much look forward to to speaking to you then. Great, thank you, Angel, and thank you, uh, Dee, and thank you, uh, Claire, for the last uh, half an hour or so, uh, and thank you to the audience for listening, and we look forward to uh, joining you next month. The Immigration Conversation podcast is presented by Fragman, the leading firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. To stay updated on the most current trends and services worldwide, visit our website at www.fragman.com for the latest podcast episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is current as of the date of publication. This podcast does not constitute legal advice or give rise to an attorney-client relationship between any viewer and our firm. If you have any questions, please contact the global immigration professional with whom you work at Fragman.